0: The idea is that I've been working with Rick and We The World for some time. And what I wanted to do is to dedicate some time to really feature all the different facets of the program. So I'm interested in really highlighting how the WE campaign in general has brought together everyday people that could be your neighbor, the person across the street, the person you know in school, and just show that everyday people are doing something positive in the world and have that be a way to inspire others to get involved in these programs. Because if more people hear about the work that you're doing on climate change, the more people will have doing work on climate change. You're listening to Heart of Mind, radio for the new millennium. I'm Katherine Davis, and my guest this segment is Sue Blythe. And Sue is a grandmother of eight doing what she can to create a sustainable, just, and peaceful future for their grandchildren. Sue is coordinator of We the World's Climate Collaboratory and co-founder of the Florida chapter of Elders Climate Action. So I want to welcome you, Sue, to this conversation and to our audience.
1: Well, thank you, Catherine. It's a delight to be with you.
0: And it's wonderful to have you because I think that what you're showing is that everybody can do something. Whether you're a parent, a grandparent, or maybe don't have children of your own, we can all get involved in making the world sustainable for future generations. I think that's so important. And I'm wondering if you can speak to us about how you got involved in the We the Worlds campaign and took up the issue of climate change. Sure.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I always have to go back to 1985 as the beginning of this story, because that's when I actually studied a uh, document called Promise of World Peace from the Baha'i World Center. And it talked about the changes that we need to make in our own hearts so that we can have a more peaceful world. And that included things like eliminating prejudice and the equality of women and just all these principles that made so much sense to me. And we, my little delegation that I studied with presented this statement to our congressman, Dante Fussell. And the experience of being one little person with a small group of people working in a global context you know, that there were people all over the world delivering this same statement to the leaders of thought in their local and state and national level of government and other leaders of thought. So that has been of great appeal to me. I became a peace educator and did conflict resolution and global perspective and all kinds of things until 2013 when I took a course. Uh, It was an interface-based course on climate change and i learned i had been talking about climate change and i knew that the world was warming and it would cause problems for our children one our grandchildren one day but um taking that course really changed everything for me it got into the real science of what is happening and what we can expect to happen, and it talked about climate denial, which was a totally new concept to me at that time. That there was actually a movement to discredit the science and to make doubt about what was happening because it kind of threatened the uh, well-being of the fossil fuel industries. And so I decided then and there that this is my focus. Everything that I do from now on, and this is 2013, would be about the climate. And I'm an educator. I've been doing my kind of peace education through the years with children and music and theater kinds of things and getting out into the community in different ways. And so I just... Started making a game and put it together, pilot tested it in different ways and with different groups, and it's been living and growing in a very small way in my own community since probably 20, well, for easily 20 years now. Mm. And so here we are. And I learned about We the World about two years ago and came and joined one of their meetings. And it was like, ah, here are people who understand what what I'm doing. (laughs) And it was just such a relief to find a group of people, like-minded people, who are doing their best to bring people together, to unify the efforts of people who are working on similar issues and finding a way to what we say is uh, cooperate, collaborate, and co-create solutions for a world that works for all. Mm. And so what we've developed over these two years now, I'm calling the Climate Collaboratory, and it's a place where we can bring our tools and resources and put our time and talent into the pot and see what we can do together. And the, we have a Welcome to We show every uh, once a month now that asks the question, what can we do together that we can't do on our own? So there's always something. and <laughs> We've got a lot of what we call seed ideas growing in many, many different ways that people can take direct action. For helping to make a more sustainable world which includes peace you can't have peace without a healthy climate and you can't have a healthy climate without more peaceful relations
0: yeah they do go together and just for now how do people connect with your group if they want to
1: yes you can reach me i'm sue blythe that's spelled s-u-e-e-l-y-t-h-e at we.net n-e-t and, uh, so that's mine. The, uh, climate collaboratory is at we.net slash
0: Excellent. Now, my understanding is that you're living in Florida, and I know that there have been a lot of environmental changes or events there in Florida with all kinds of weather patterns coming onto the landmass and creating scary situations for people. Can you respond in some ways to what you've been able to observe? Some of the changes are that people might not know about if they're living in an inner city or middle of the country?
1: Sure. Well, you know, Florida has probably more coastline than in most states. I'm not sure how it compares to California, but I think it has more coastline than any other state. And, of course, the sea level is rising because as the air warms, the water warms, and warmer water expands. And so our oceans are just rising up into our coastal cities. And I have uh, interviewed people who are affected by the um, sea level. Well, actually, the sea water coming up through the streets of Miami, just coming up through the sewer pipes as the high tide comes when the, when the moon is at its fullest and the seasons are just right. The high tide comes up and people are walking around in any deep water in their homes. And uh, so many people are moving away. And we, where I live in North Florida, we see people coming who say, well, I'd have to sell my house now or else it'll, it'll never sell soon. And um, so we begin to call these the climate refugees, that they are people who are moving out of the dangerous areas. The big concern is the people who can't afford to pick up and move somewhere else that are the ones who have historically been those who have dealt with the problems that are creating all kinds of problems. And so what we're trying to do, I'm working with one group called the Florida Interfaith Climate Actions Network. And their goal is to give voice to the people in the vulnerable communities where they're having to deal with these issues and really don't have the support that they need. So helping to uh, bring the faith communities together to address the issues that are not being met by the city and county, uh, a very soul-satisfying thing to do. And so there are lots of interfaith initiatives that I think people may want to tap into if they're looking for ways that they can help.
0: Hmm. Are you finding that people who are living in more safe areas of Florida are welcoming of these climate refugees? Well, so
1: far, I think so. Um, the way I see it coming is that um, there will be waves, especially imagine you know what happened with Hurricane Dorian in the Bahamas that it just devastated them. If that had come onto Florida and devastated the areas of Miami, Fort Lauderdale, West Palm Beach, what would have happened to our whole economy? You know, everything here. Mm
0: -hmm. Certainly
1: it devastated the uh, Bahamas and would have been financially much more destructive here. Um, And I hate that way, but uh, it's just a fact. We have all this built-up infrastructure in the south of Florida that is just not going to hold up to the devastating effects of the uh, extreme weather events that we know are going to get more severe and more frequent.
0: Mm-hmm. And Florida we will probably have to negotiate this situation sooner than other cities. Do you feel that the public is well-informed or in any way being prepared for that inevitable thing to happen?
1: There are many people working on these issues and publicizing it to the best of their ability. I know that many people who are involved in the uh, effects of climate change. There are a lot, you know, people at universities and in city governments are working together, especially in South Florida, they have a climate compact with uh, several counties that have been working together for years to address these issues. What I think is the increase that we've seen in the last five years of media attention that's being paid to this is changing. And of course, the youth climate movement with the uh, Fridays for Future that Greta Thunberg from uh, Sweden has started has just made a remarkable difference in the level of awareness in the world. I'm working with another group in Florida that's called the Elders Climate Action and it's people like me. I'm in my 70s and very concerned about what's happening and I'm finding a wonderful team of people who are working on issues that work. So one of the programs that they have is called the Environmental Voters Project and it's actually to help uh, get the word about to environmental voters that uh, they need to get out and vote because it turns out the uh, study of voting shows that many environmentalists don't vote. Wow! And so there's a very easy to use program that's offered there. The uh, website to go to if you're interested in that is Elders Climate action.org. And uh, they have several wonderful programs.
0: Excellent. I'm glad you're sharing that because all of us, I believe, are going to have to have so much more consciousness about how this is impacting our daily lives right now. It's not some far in the future Thing. We really have to make these changes now. And I'm glad that you mentioned, Greta, I was thinking about her and was going to ask how the children are processing this information about climate change. And I'm wondering, I know that you like to work with young people as well. So how is it Do you recommend that not just yourself, but adults in general begin to acclimate Children, small children, young children, to this kind of understanding and sensitivity, though I suspect the young ones are much further along than us old folk.
1: true that they are growing up with the reality of what this is. I started to say earlier that when I was, um, I had a job with the county, Alachua County, Florida, and went into the schools to talk about uh, taking care of the planet, which includes recycling, right? Reduce, reuse, and recycle. And I would tell the children that their grandchildren would feel the effects of climate change. I had no idea that I would feel the effects of climate change. And to see what's happened in these last five years is just uh, mind-blowing to me. So here comes a generation that is growing up with this as the new normal. And so these devastating wildfires, the floods, the... Droughts, the things that are causing all kinds of disruption will only increase as we go into the next years. And so, getting something that empowers people to say, I am taking action and I am working with a network of people that I know is making a difference, that's where I'm at. So, the best tool that I can find right now to give to put direct climate action into the palm of everybody's hand no matter how old they are is called the 2020 or bust app and it's, if you're interested in finding this it's 2020orbust.org/app and what this does is uh gives it's set up almost like a game that is finding something you can do every day to help the climate, whether it's my favorite is planting trees. And I wonder if you know that President Trump just brought the United States into the Trillion Trees initiative so that we're trying to draw down the excess CO2. So planting a tree is one thing anybody can do. And uh, there's, um, you can eat less meat, you can, you know, ride your bike, you can do the things that we normally think of. But we're working with the 2020 or BUST team to put together other activities that people don't normally think about that might help with the climate. And that's where the Climate Collaboratory comes into a way of helping people find exactly what it is that they are that would interest them and would be motivating for them and finding just the right climate actions and teams. Finding the right network of people, that it would satisfy the heart of anybody who is inclined to uh, take some kind of action and isn't sure what to do.
0: Well, I think that's very powerful because it seems like such a huge thing that people can become paralyzed thinking that they can't do anything or that whatever they choose to do might not be enough. But imagine if everyone did something, then that's going to make a difference.
1: If we all work on it together, we can handle this. A large part of what needs to be done, I believe, is just falling in love with nature again. We have kind of forgotten what that feels like. All our ancestors lived much, much, much closer to nature than our current generation does. And so helping the young people to get out into nature and remember how much we love just you know, the life and and understanding more and more about life on earth, how it got to be here, how we can take care of it, all of that. And then really the heart connection with each other, so that as we learn to care that somebody on the other side of the world is hurting, or somebody down the street from us is suffering, that there, we have been learning for countless generations how to bring that love into our communities. And we know how to do this. That's why I feel it's so important to work with the interface groups so that we can bring that love
0: together. Excellent. I love the way you are approaching this, and I love the way that you are engaged with these issues. And it says a lot To all of those folks who are listening in that no matter who you are, where you live, what your race or sexuality might be, what your age might be, we all have the power to do something positive and to contribute to the change that we want to see take place. How do people connect with your group? You can reach me. I'm Sue Blythe.
1: That's spelled S-U-E-B-L-Y-T-H-E at... We dot net N E T. The climate collaboratory is at we.net slash climate.
0: I would like to thank you for all that you're doing. I think it's important and offer you if you have something you want to close with to share with our listeners.
1: Well, what just occurred to me is I want to go back to that peace statement from 1985. It was called The Promise of World Peace. And the closing words were, World peace is not only possible,
0: it's inevitable.
1: Indeed, it is the next stage in the evolution of this planet
0: beautiful thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today
1: thank you Catherine